Welcome to TGI, Tourism Geography Insights, the podcast of Tourism Geography's journal where we discuss our latest research and developments of our peer-reviewed journal which explores tourism and tourism-related areas of recreation and leisure studies from a geographic perspective. Kia ora tato. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Gillen, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Tourism Geographies podcast. Today, I'm speaking with uh, Julia Giddy, who is a senior lecturer, Hospitality and Tourism at the University of Johannesburg, South Africa. She has re- recently written a paper that is published in, in a recent journal uh, issue. The title of her paper is called Uber and Employment in the Global South, Not So Decent Work. And over the next few minutes, I will be chatting with Julia about the paper and about where it came from and about what motivated her to write it. Julia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jamie. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. All right, we're going to dive right in with the big picture question, and that is, with respect to this paper, which I, by the way, found very fascinating and learned a lot from, so thank you for publishing it, in Tourism Geographies. The question I have first is, what question or problem was this paper and this research setting out to understand? The paper actually emerged in a very interesting way, because I don't have a background in like tourism, labor, or employment or anything like that, but it was actually just came up because of observations that I had made as I just moved to Johannesburg and I was a frequenter of the Uber platform and a lot of stuff had come up in the media about sort of the plight of Uber drivers and how difficult it had been. So um, there was a lot of coverage about violence um, between Uber drivers and um, either just opportunists or the formal taxi sector, which was, to me, on a different level than I had seen anywhere else. So, you know, yes, there have been clashes with Uber and, uh, you know, metered taxi companies in other parts of the world, but the level of violence that I was seeing in South Africa really got me thinking and on top of that you know just as a passenger and i'm chatty in the car talking to people about the difficulties they had had about the especially the working hours the rates that they're paid just started to make me question what was going on here and want to investigate it further and you know me coming from a geography and mobilities tourism background I just, I actually was at a conference with a colleague talking about this and he said, this might be a really good opportunity to look at, you know, some of the dynamics there. And then I came across some work by, it's called the Fair Work Foundation. And they had started to do very, you know, more sort of statistical studies about the sharing economy or, uh, you know, platform economy or whatever you want to call it and how it relates to the concepts of decent work. And that's sort of where... I decided to go into it is to, it started out as, you know, what's going on here and what's the situation. And then it evolved into, okay, there are these interesting theories under which I can apply these mm. ideas. Wonderful. Thanks, Julia. And that, that kind of covers my second question, which was going to be, uh, can you please describe briefly the background and context of the work? And you have, I mean, understanding that you were a, a frequenter of Uber, uh, of Uber as I am. 
here in Auckland, and also that you were interested in the in the kind of violence dimension and uh, the clash mm. dimension that, that that you were learning about through driver conversations. Mm. Thank you. So we'll skip to question three. And you, I like the point you just made, which segues well into the question um, about theory, which is, can you please describe the theory and the concepts that underpin the work? And, and you know, for general audience, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess I answered a bunch of your questions in that first statement. But um, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, like I said, I came up with this concept and then I tried to look at some of the theories that might be applied instead of the other way around just because I wasn't in this space in research previously. And so, yeah, it's really grounded in the ideas of, it started out with sort of social justice. You know, to me, this was like a big violation of any kind of social justice. And South Africa is a place that continuously propagates this idea of enhancing social justice, um, despite the fact that that doesn't always happen. So I just thought, okay, well, this seems like going against some of the ideals of the country and um, some of the dynamics that are going on. And so I looked at the ILO, the, sorry, International Labor Organization pillars of decent work. And there have been some papers in tourism related to decent work. So I just sort of looked at some of those papers and tried to see where it could fit in. And from that, I looked at the different pillars of decent work and reviewed the, the data. And I basically came up with, you know, the idea that this really <clears throat> is problematic when we think about a lot of labor in South Africa, actually. Mm-hmm. And we have very strong unions and we have very strong, you know, sense of, you know, labor rights. And it seems like this is a context in which none of that, nobody seems to care that none of that is really happening. Yep. Yep. Interesting. I mean, one of the things that I really drew a lot from your paper is, is this sense of, of injustice. And unlike a lot of papers, which hem and haw around the findings and make it quite neutral, vanilla, um, you, you, take, you take Uber to task, you know, quite directly on this, on this topic um, and on this, on this situation in South Africa. Before we talk about the key takeaways then, why, why did you choose tourism geographies as your outlet? because it's underpinned by arguments that could be very easily published in an economic geography journal, in a platform economy journal, in a gig economy journal, and and any any sort of thing like that. And so one of the things that I think is interesting about this paper is that it doesn't, it alludes to tourism, it speaks to tourism, and it's, but it's broader than that. And so why tourism geography? So that was exactly the comments that I got in my reviews when I submitted the papers, like, how is this tourism? Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it, there are a couple of reasons that are just more practical. One is that this paper is in a special issue that I am editing for the journal. And we were looking broader, um, myself and uh, Fabian Fabian Frenzel and Thomas Frisch were looking at the role of digital technologies in issues around inequality in tourism. So the research that I've been doing prior to this was looking at sort of the tourism poverty nexus. And I think just my background in tourism made me focus on the tourism aspect of it. So I wrote another paper about how, well, not a paper, sorry, it was a book chapter about how people use Uber in South Africa and the significance of Uber for tourists in a country like South Africa and a city like Johannesburg, 
which is really difficult to navigate on your own and can be quite daunting. And so I think that's where my, the tourism links came in, despite the fact that in hindsight, I can see that this is a bigger, bigger concept. Mm-hmm. The other thing for me is that I think the journal has done a lot of good. I really enjoy the way that the journal tries in some ways to make you more critical and make you more assertive. So I appreciated that opportunity while working with, you know, Alan Liu and some of the other editors. And they, they, they kept encouraging me to be more assertive. And so the title changed several times until they were happy that it was like uh, an assertive title. And so, you know, I really enjoyed my experience with tourism geographies. And despite the fact that it has a broader scope, I do think it's really important um, as tourism geographies become, in my opinion, has become more critical and more interrogative of the tourism system. Wow, nice. That is a spectacular answer and a very rewarding one. <laughs> it promotes the journal very well. And I, th- I agree with you. I think the, the, the papers have gotten sharper. They've gotten more, more, more critical um, over the years. And you got to give a shout out to Alan Liu, founder of the journal, a, a great person, a person who, like the current editors, shepherds and works closely with with authors um, especially yeah. early career and middle mid, mid-career authors to get their papers in shape alan Liu, shout out to you hope you're enjoying retirement and flagstaff Hong yeah. Kong, wherever you may be all right so we're back to the uh questions and there's one more and but probably one and a half two more i'm enjoying the conversations really thank you the the key takeaways what are those, but also what are some things that you found surprising in your takeaways and that readers may be surprised at, both readers of the journal, but also readers of, of the gig economy research that's out there, but also even South Africa research. I'm just gonna start out with something that was like surprising for me as I started doing this work. And that is that Uber was not trying to, in, in South Africa, Uber was not trying to get around any sort of formalized taxi company so or i'm not ca- company taxi company any formal ta- taxi organization so like in new york for example there's like the yellow cabs and that's a very formalized system mm-hmm. in um london you know they all have their formal system south africa doesn't have that yeah so to me that was really interesting that a lot of the rhetoric that was being spread in in terms of the issues in other countries about the regulations and about what it takes to be you know, a taxi driver in, in that city was sort of moot in, in, in South Africa. So to me, that made it even more shocking, the level of violence that was happening. happening. You know, they weren't actually, uh, you know, doing anything illegal or, you know, getting around any legal requirements because formal meter taxi companies also don't have requirements like that. Um, they don't have to be registered. And so to me, that was really interesting. So the other thing to me that was interesting, and that comes partially from the paper that I did on the Uber riders, is that this the, the advent of Uber in South Africa, more so than taking away passengers from meter taxi drivers, actually created an entire new market. To me, it was interesting that the market, the people that I interviewed were very aware of some of the plight of Uber drivers. And some, in some cases, I wouldn't say in every case, but 
you know, the moral economy did play in and they selected Uber because of the violence that was perpetrated against the drivers. So the, yeah. it's a very complex system, in, in my opinion. But the, I mean, the main takeaway is that the work is not decent on almost any pillar of decent work. The, yeah, so that's one of the main things is that, you know, the level of violence, 36 out of the 68 or so drivers I interviewed had been the victims of some kind of violence themselves, which was a shocking statistic. And reading some of the things that had happened to them was very upsetting to me. Um, on top of the news articles of actual deaths, you know, a, a young student in Pretoria was burned in the back of his car and killed, obviously, by a metered taxi driver. And interestingly, the passenger was let out and was allowed to obtain an alternative transport during this, this period. So, you know, in South Africa, there's a lot of rhetoric around, you know, crime and violence, but this is very targeted and very specific. Mm -hmm. The other interesting thing to me was that, to me, it was, it's a platform in which it allows migrants to have some, a more formalized form of work than it, it then is the case. And there's a lot of xenophobia in South Africa. There's, I witnessed it way too much. And so to me, it was interesting that a lot of non-South African Africans were able to obtain employment via this route. But that brings into question, if this is the best option they have for employment, what are the circumstances of these um, migrant workers. Uh, I think another big thing for me as well was the working hours are just absolutely ridiculous. And the drivers get around the restrictions that Uber puts, which is, you know, they might be on two platforms. So there's Uber and then there's Bolt, which I think has become more popular as well. Um, so they'll work part of the time on Uber and then on Bolt in order just to generate enough income for them to get by. And they're working, you know, upwards of 12 hours a day, six to seven days a week. So any kind of work-life balance, which is one of the pillars of decent work, is just completely out the window. And I think it does open up a lot of discussion about, not, I, not that Uber's the informal economy, but like some of the working conditions amongst precarious labor in South Africa on a larger scale than, than just this, which is very prevalent in tourism as well. Wonderful and thorough answer and passionate answer. There's a lot of richness in the, in the quantitative data that Julia shares in the paper, but also in her findings as, as, as listeners have noted. And it's also important, I think, to mention that tourism geography as a, as a field is contributing heavily and impactfully to these debates about the morality and ethics of the gig economy. And Julia's paper is a, is a fantastic contributor to that, but it's often sometimes forgotten in the tourism geographies of war that we don't necessarily celebrate everything that goes on in tourism. We don't celebrate the relationships, the labor. This is not how tourism geographies work. So for listeners who are new to this, the field and the, the subdiscipline, you know, tourism geography is not a, a platform to express our interest in different destinations and so on. 
like Julia has explained very, very carefully and, and thoughtfully, there is a lot of immoral conduct going on, especially amongst labor and, and the environment that we, we need to reckon with in our field. And we do that quite, quite well, I think, Julia's case, the Julia's paper's case in point. Last question is, is a simple one, and that is, do you have any further comments? Where, where is the, since the paper has been published, what's the status of uh, the industry? How are things changing? What's, what's something you'd like to add to the story? Again, I haven't done formal research on this at the moment, but obviously the pandemic was devastating for the industry, for the workers, um, just like and in a similar way to almost all tourism and travel industries throughout the world. But to me, in the case of Uber drivers, and actually, I want to expand that to a lot of platform economy workers. You know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that we don't recognize all the time. And I think that it's been really hard for them to recover. There has not, interestingly, in South Africa, the standards of Uber have dropped pretty significantly. There hasn't been as much checks and balances as when I wrote the paper and when Uber first started here. Because one of the main reasons that people find Uber a platform that's really useful in a country that has very limited mobilities is because of the, the safety aspect, because that's one of the most significant components um, as a person traveling or living in South Africa is to ensure your safety. It's, you know, obviously a country that's known for violent crime, which is clear in the paper as well. But I think that I don't know why, and that's something I would like to investigate further, but there seems to be sort of a slacking amongst the, so yeah, there are two companies, which is, which I explained, but there's Uber South Africa, which does sort of the checks and balances on Uber drivers and the cars and the quality of the cars. And that seems to have deteriorated lately. Uh, they've also added a platform called Uber Go, which is a cheaper um, version. But I talked to a couple of drivers that say it's the same cars. They just are getting less money for it. So those are some of the dynamics that are just starting to emerge again. I'm just starting to get back into it. But I would also, another thing, another aspect that I would like to look at in the future is, which I alluded to earlier, is sort of the hidden labor around some other platform uh, platforms or sharing economy platforms like Airbnb. So there's a lot of hidden labor in Airbnb, especially in South Africa with things like cleaners and caretakers. And to see what's going on there as well, um, I think would be something to look at in the future. And I really support the work that's being done by the Fair Work Foundation, which I'm plugging them because they have been analyzing and, and recording from a more quantitative perspective, the you know, aspects associated with decent work in the sharing economy in the global south. So yeah, that's, yeah, there are a few things that I hope to look at going forward. But I was mentioning earlier, I'd also like to look at secondary cities in South Africa to try to see why there isn't as much of an uptake there. Because I noticed when I spent time in a secondary city in Mbombela, which is in Mpumalanga, they had the Uber platform, but there just wasn't a lot of uptake. And I'd like to investigate some of the reasons around that and what 
you know, what motivates people to be on the platform, both from the supply and demand perspective, or what prevents them? So that's another thing to look at going forward. Wow. Well, you've given us a lot of food for thought uh, this morning in, 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 in Joburg and in, in the evening in uh, Auckland. Thank you, Julia, for speaking with us today on the Tourism Geographies podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes. And for listeners, uh, you've been listening to my conversation with uh, Dr. Julia Giddy, who's a senior lecturer in the School of Tourism and Hospitality at the University of Johannesburg, South Africa. She can be reached uh, via email at Julia G, that's Julia as in J-U-L-I-A, G as in Gillen or Giddy at uj.ac.za.za. So Julia G at uj.ac.za. And her paper can be found on the Tourism Geographies website uh, through the Taylor and Francis portal. And you can follow Tourism Geographies on Twitter. Twitter, our Twitter handle is Tourism Journal, Tourism Journal. So thanks a lot for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.